Hey, it's great to have you here. Hey, isn't it nice? Um, how did your extra five minutes go? I hope that it went well. Um, we're doing a series on spiritual discipline. As a Christian, how do you build your faith? And one of the reasons why we're doing this series is because what we realize is we have a lot of people who've been coming to church for a while and they're still at beginner level because they haven't grown or they haven't built their muscle. It's seriously, it's like going to the gym. Imagine you went to the gym for 10 years every week. Think about this. Every week you went to the gym for 10 years, one hour, one and a half hour session, and you're still pushing the same weights. You would go, something is wrong with that. And yet, we're doing the same thing at church. You know, some of us have been coming to church for 20 years, 30 years, and we're still pushing the same kitty weights. Okay? We need to grow. We need to build. Okay? And that's why we're doing this series called um, Spiritual Disciplines. Last week, we started with the discipline of connection. That the most important spiritual discipline that we need to have is the discipline to connect with God, right? It's all about that relationship with God. And we said there's three things that you need to invest into, time, communication, and obedience, okay? That's how you build that discipline of connection. And I hope that as you live your life, as I said, this series is completely pointless if you don't try something new, okay? This series is completely pointless if you don't put it into practice, Okay, so every week we're going to talk about the, the topic and I'm, I'm going to give you like a little, little, little nugget. Okay, not a big nugget, just a little, little nugget for you to actually put into place. And I promise you, once you start putting these into place and when you start disciplining your spiritual life, you will grow. I promise you, money back guaranteed. Okay, I guarantee that with whatever money that you give. Okay. <laughs> Don't make me laugh, James Jang. Making me laugh these days. All right. Tonight we talk about the spiritual discipline of purpose. Can everyone say purpose? purpose? All right. The word purpose is defined. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Your purpose is the very reason why you wake up in the morning. Have you ever thought about that? The reason you wake up in the morning is for the exact purpose that you have for your life. We all have purpose in our lives. Because if we don't have purpose, well, that's quite sad, isn't it? Because what's the point? If you don't have purpose in your life, what's the point? One of the problems, but when we define what purpose is, is that there's a lot of different people telling us what our purpose should be, right? You've got the world telling us, hey, you should live your life like this. Or you've got your parents that are telling you, hey, your purpose is this. Or you've got your friends influencing you on the kind of life you should be living. And it can get very complicated and very confusing about who to listen to and what is the real truth. But if purpose is the reason for our existence, okay, now listen to this. If purpose is the reason for our existence, then we should be receiving that purpose from the one that created us. Is that not the truth? Right? Think about this. A guy named Sir John Harrington. Now, no one knows who Sir John, uh, Sir John Harrington is, okay? But everyone 
knows what he made. In 1596, he created this, the toilet. Okay? This is the first flush toilet that was created in 1596. Now, we, we take toilets for granted. I, while in my sermon and my, my, my deep meditation with God, I thought about what would life be without the toilet? It'd be horrible, right? Like, you know, like how many backyards, spots in your backyard could you go? You know, like, you know, it's, it's absolutely gross, right? But the toilet, they say the toilet has been one of the top inventions for all humanity. Isn't that the truth? Life without a toilet, right? Now, the guy called, the, the guy called Sir John Harrington made this. Right? And he said to the world, guys, this is a flush toilet. And the purpose of this flush toilet is to take your crap and put it down some pipes so that you never have to see it again. So that you don't have to hold it in your hands or in a bucket and take it out or flush it or, or you know, and all the other things and dig, up, dig a hole in your backyard. You know, that's the purpose of the toilet. Now, check this. Imagine if John Harrington came out and he created this and he goes, world, I have created a great device to wash your dog. This is a device that can wash your dog. You scrub the dog in the bowl. Now think about this, use your imagination. Scrub the dog in the bowl and then you press a button and all this water suddenly comes out and you can wash the dog and just be careful the dog doesn't go down the pipe. But all the other crap goes down the pipe, right? If Sir John Harrington said to the world, this is what this is made for, then we would all be washing our dogs in toilets. Because why? Because he invented it, so he got to define its purpose. Luckily for us, he told us that it was a toilet. In the same way, our purpose comes from our creator. The one who made you, the one who invented you, he's the only one that can tell you why you were created, what your purpose is. And not from the voices around, not from the world around. Your friends do not tell you, cannot tell you why you should exist. Your parents, they think they can. And, you know, I have kids, so I, I sometimes fall into that trap. They cannot define for you your purpose. Because if that really was the case, then for the most of us, our purpose was to become a doctor, lawyer, or an accountant. Okay? But luckily, our parents cannot define that for us. The only person that can define... This purpose for us is the one who made us, and that's God. Now, there are many verses in the Bible that tell us about what our purpose should be, okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 reads this, so, what, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, you do it for God, Okay? So that's a verse about purpose, right? Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These are some verses that the Bible gives to us in God teaching us what the purpose of our life is, okay? But, <coughs> excuse me. But when Jesus Christ came to earth, he died on the cross, he resurrected from the dead, and as he was going back up into heaven, he actually left with us what is now known as the Great Commission, right? The Great Commission was the mission of Jesus, the, the, the purpose of Jesus' life, and as he ascended, he actually passed that on to us. 
And he said, this is why you should live. This is the purpose of your life. And it comes from today's passage, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Okay? And I'm going to read. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus leaves us all a very clear mission and purpose. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. What's a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Jesus. So what Jesus is saying is to his disciples, the ones that are following me, go and make more followers of me. This is known as the Great Commission. This is the purpose that Jesus leaves for his followers to go and make disciples and to teach them to obey me. Yes, whatever we do, we do for God's glory. And we do the work that God has prepared for us, but it all comes in the form of making disciples. That's how God is glorified. That's why we do what we do. We come to worship God. We come to give God the glory. But in amongst all of that, we are trying to help people find their identity in God, that they would follow him, that they would trust him, and that they would become a disciple, but not just become a disciple, but they would become an influential person in their own life, and that they would then go and make disciples. But what's the problem? The problem is we don't see this as our purpose. Can I tell you, 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 you might be at a stage where you understand that I don't live for myself, but I live for God's purposes. Okay, great, but this is his purpose. So you can't just go, I'm going to live for God's glory and not obey what he's telling us to do. Okay? Because this is what he gives to us. We're called to make disciples. We're called to live out that purpose. That's why we wake up in the morning. It's not to say that you shouldn't work. It's not to say that you shouldn't earn money. It's not to say that you shouldn't have kids. No, do all of that. But while you do that, go and make disciples. See, going and making a disciple is not a formal program. Going and making a disciple is not bringing them and you know, trying to drag them into church. No, going and making them a disciple is telling them about Jesus, sharing with them about the Jesus that you know and, and, and helping them find Jesus. Because when they find Jesus, then, then they'll follow Jesus. That's what it is. It can come in the form of a program. It can come in the form of the church. But it can come as a, as a conversation over coffee or, or a gym session with a mate. You know? or, or McDonald's, you know, $4 for four. It's the greatest, greatest deal ever at the moment. Cheeseburger, small fries, small Coke, and an apple pie, $4. This was not endorsed by McDonald's in any way at all. I do not work for McDonald's. I wish I did. <laughs> we just don't believe that this is a part of what we want as Christians, and that's the first problem. But I'm just, it's right there. Okay, there's no hiding away from this. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer of Jesus, then one of your purposes is to make other disciples and other followers. Okay? So, why do we struggle with this? Why do we, why do we fall away from this purpose? Why do, we, why do we live somewhat purposeless lives? Okay? I believe there are three reasons why we do not live out the purpose that God has set for us. And I think there's, these three reasons are going to uh, uh, really resonate with you guys. Number one, distractions. We get distracted. In the Old Testament, there was a king called David. Now, David was a good king, a great king. 
Great leadership, a heart after God's very own. But there's a verse in his life that demonstrates what a distraction can do. And we find this in 2 Samuel 11. And it reads this, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out and the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. David was the king, and his job was to lead the army to go to war. But instead of going to war, see, at the time when kings go off to war, when he should have gone to war, he didn't go. Now, we don't know why he didn't go. It doesn't specify that. Might have been tired. Might have been, you know, might have been confident in his own army. He thought, oh, I don't need to go. They can just go take care of it. But the, the, the point is that he didn't do what he was meant to be doing. He was distracted. Now, if you keep reading, you know, you find that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And if you keep reading, he ends up stealing another man's wife. He ends up impregnating her. To cover that up, he kills that woman's husband and then takes her as his own. All because he was distracted from what he should have been doing. If he had gone to war and if he had stayed on the path that he should have, then none of this would have happened. The temptation is distraction, okay? The second, the second thing that can take, away from, uh, take us away from our purpose is discouragement. Discouragement is defined a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. A lot of the times, we know what we're meant to be doing, but we don't. Why? Because someone told us that we're not good enough. Or someone told us that, hey, you can't do that. You know, you're, you're not smart enough, or you haven't been going to church, you can't lead Bible study, you can't go and evangelize, you don't even know Jesus very well yourself, you've only been going to church for one week. You know, if you really think about it, there's so much discouragement in this world. And in the Bible, there's plenty of discouragement too. There's a guy by the name of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was called by God to go and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And there's this point in chapter 4 where, where he's, he's going re- to go and build the wall. And we, we read this verse in verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Nehemiah's purpose was to go and rebuild this wall. And then people are like, man, there's so much work. The guys are tired. They're going to get burnt out. You're not doing your job properly. And this was discouragement. I'm sure if you've been in these circles long enough, you have gone through this. You know, we're trying our best to live out our purpose. We're trying our best to live out the life that God, you know, set for us. And and, and you know what? All it takes is one comment. All it takes is one negative comment. Shows how weak you are or shows how unworthy you are. And suddenly we become discouraged and we second guess ourselves and we doubt ourselves to the point where we just don't even want to try anymore and that's the temptation of discouragement so temptation of distraction temptation of discouragement and the third one is the temptation of disconnection or distance how many times have we felt man i'm trying to live out my life for god but i just don't know where god is I just feel God so far away. I'm I'm trying to live this good life. I'm trying to live a life that honors God, but he just seems so far away. Psalm 13, the same king, King David, writes these words. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day my sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? That's his prayer. He's like, God, where are you? God, I need you. But I can't feel your presence. I don't know where you are. I can't hear your voice. This is the, this, the temptation of distance. And when we feel it, it can easily take away our motivation to live for the purposes that we have. Temptation of distraction. I was distracted, <laughs> ironically. Temptation of distraction, temptation of discouragement, and the temptation of distance. All of these things can take you away from living out the purpose that God has given to you in your lives. So how do we act against these things? How do we discipline ourselves? You know what's so funny, right? It, 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 these three things, right? Distraction, discouragement, and distance. You can, you can apply them to anything in your life. Like any purpose, right? And the one that I'm going to use, you know, even like going to the gym, right? Healthy body, right? You know, to have, you know, easily distracted. <sighs> distracted by anything to not go to the gym. Easily discouraged. Someone goes, man, why do you even bother? Oh, that's it. I'm not going, <laughs> you know? Or distance, man, it's so far away. I have to get in my car and, you know. These things, they take us away from the meaningful things in our lives. But in the same way, in, in, in other disciplines in our life where we need to build our bodies, where we need to discipline ourselves, we need to build against distraction, discouragement, and distance. And so here are, here are some practical tips that come out of God's word that can fight against these three things. And I hope that you really pick these up. And with these, I'm going to leave little gems that you can apply in your life starting today. Okay? So the temptation of distraction, how do we fight against it? We need focus. The key word is focus. Proverbs 4.25, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths of your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Focus. Philippians 3.12-14, Not that I have already obtained all this and have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on. I love that verse, forgetting what is behind. Man, that's a whole sermon about not letting your past become your present or your future. But so many of us, we're so crippled by our past. You know, we're so crippled by something that happened five years ago or, you know, the person that we were five years ago that we forget that when God met us, He transformed us and He gave us a new purpose. But we're still living in the past. Paul says he, no, I forget that. And I strain towards the goal, focusing on what is in front of me. Both passages tell us the discipline to fight distraction is focus. We need to know specifically and boldly what the purpose of our lives are 
And we need to focus on making the main thing the main thing. So easy to be distracted. Can I just tell you there are two types of distractions, actually. There's bad distractions, and we all know these. You know, in high school, you know, there's that one kid in class. You know, you're about to go to class, and the kid's like, hey, you want to skip class? You want to skip class? Now, some of you are feeling guilty because you were that kid. You were that kid trying to influence other kids saying, you want to skip class? Okay. I'm going to tell you, I was not that kid. I was not that kid. Okay. But when someone said to me, hey, do you want to skip class? I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> you know? So I was not the bad kid, but I was the kid that was influenced. Easily distracted. Right? Didn't have focus. Right? There are bad distractions, things that exist in our lives that would poison us and harm us. And they're the obvious distractions. But can I tell you, there are also these things called good distractions. A good distraction looks like a new opportunity. It looks like ambition. It looks like a promotion at work. It looks like a new, um, you know, proposition. Now, none of these are bad things in itself. But if they distract you from your purpose, then it's still a distraction. What we need to do is focus and fix our gaze directly on God. If we want to move forward, that's it. Fix our eyes on God and move towards that. Now, practically, how do we do this? Okay, this is the practical you know, little nugget. You've got to know your schedule. Really practical. You've got to know your schedule. Do you know what? We live in the busiest society ever that has ever existed. You know, back in the day, you woke up, you fed a few sheep, and that was your day. You know, that's all you did that day. You know, you woke up, you, you mowed the lawn, and that was it. You just chill out, you know, sit on the lawn, ponder about life. We live in, this, we live in a society that is so busy that we get charged 15-minute blocks, right? But the problem is we think that scheduling helps us, and it does if you're in control of your schedule. But the problem is for most people, their schedules are in charge of them. So, how do you practically do this? Get a piece of paper. I do this every 12 to 6 months, right? Depending on how busy I am. And I look at my schedule, and I look at my calendar, and I, I circle everything that I don't need right now. And I take it out. Because that's a distraction from something that you do need. You know? One of the most easiest ones is... We think that we need to do something and do something and do something. And the one thing that we miss out on is rest, like physical rest. Seriously, some of you, you need to schedule in your sleep. Like I need to sleep at this time because that obviously affects every other area of your life. Right? Some of you, you, need, you just need to do that. So practically, know your schedule, okay? That's focus. Here we go. Number two, discouragement. How do we fight against discouragement? We need to hear the voice of God. I know, right? It feels like you just went up a level, right? One, one was like, work your weekly schedule, and the next one was, hear the voice of God, okay? But here's the thing. When discouragement comes, it comes through the voices. Did you know that? It comes through voices. There are many voices that exist in this world, okay? And that itself is another sermon too. There's external voices. There's voices of the media. There's voices of your government, okay? But there's also voices of your friends. 
There's voices of your family. And you know what the most discouraging voice is? It's your inner voice. How discouraging your inner voice is, right? If we are going to fight against discouragement so that we can be focused on the mission and on the purpose, we need to hear God's voice, the voice of our creator, louder than anyone else's voice. Joshua 1.9. This is is one of my life verses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Oh, love this verse. 1 Peter 5.7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right? I, I could give you... You know, so many different verses in the Bible. But here's the thing. God's truth must be louder than any other voice in this world. And only when we seek God's truth, God's voice will overcome the voices of discouragement. See, even in these verses, right? God says what? Be strong and courageous because I will be with you. Be strong and courageous because I will be with you. And everyone in the world is saying, you on your own. So whose voice is louder? We need to make God's voice louder. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know that voice that says, no one cares about you. You're a nobody. No, no, actually my God tells me that he cares for me. We need to start to hear God's truth loud and clear and let it become the loudest voice in our lives. And when that happens, the discouragement from the world and the discouragement from your own sinful heart, they will decrease. And it will be replaced by God's truth. Now, how do we practically do this? Okay, this is an exercise that I do with some of my disciples, some of the guys that I'm trying to help. I tell them, read through the Bible and write down what God thinks about you. Now, I know some of you are like, well, the Bible is a really big book, so I don't even know where to start, right? Okay? Okay, start in Psalms. Okay, and that's not a joke, right? People go, what? Why would you start in the book that has 150 chapters? Okay, just start in Psalms. Okay, just go one at a time, right? And and write down or highlight what God thinks about you. The Bible has so much. God has so much in there, defining who you are. And as we let that. Uh, just dissolve in our own hearts as we let the truth of God really just overcome who we are, then all the other voices, including that voice inside, become smaller and smaller because we allow God's voice to become bigger and bigger. Okay? So that's the, the temptation of discouragement. You need to hear the voice of God. Finally, the temptation of distance. We need to fight with connection. And that's what we talked about last week. The discipline of connection, right? John 15, 5. This is what we read last week. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says that without this connection, we cannot do anything. But if we remain in him and allow him to remain in us, we will bear much fruit. That verse that we read, Psalm 13, when King David is crying out to God, where are you? That were the first four verses of that psalm. Let me read you the next two. Verse 5 and 6. But I trust in your unfailing love. 
My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. That last bit, for he has been good to me. King David goes back to the relationship that he had with God, the connection that he had with God and reminds himself who God was and what God has done for him. That's how we grow the discipline of connection. That's how we fight against the discipline, the temptation of distance. When we're asking ourselves, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, I need you, but I can't feel you. No, you go back to your relationship with God, your connection with God, and you allow that to remind you of God and where God has been because God is always with us. Whether we feel it or not, He's always with us. So what are the practical things? Exactly the same from last week, right? You need to spend some time with God. And the term is you need to learn how to waste time with God. Do you know, you don't schedule, you know, you know like even with date days and stuff, like you schedule the time in, but what do you do? You just waste time. Because you know, that's what you want to do with people that you love. You just want to waste time with them. You know, when you're dating, it's been a long time since I've been dating. You know, like you didn't schedule in date day and go, oh, okay, two o'clock, okay, see you, honey, I'm going to go to my next appointment. No, you love that person. You're like, I don't care what my next appointment is. Who cares? We're going to waste time. What's the agenda? There is no agenda. We're just going to hang out. You know, that's how you connect with God, to learn to just hang out with God without an agenda, not to just go to God when you need something. Like that, that's God as a hospital. You know, when you're hurt, you go to God. Or that's God as a vending machine. When you want something, you go to God. No, we need to learn in our relationship with God just to waste time. You know, my wife and I, she, oh, she easy. Hi, honey. We waste time together. Sometimes we watch dramas. Biggest waste of time, right? Korean dramas, right? I cry all the time. I'm crying all the time. You'd think it'd be the other way, but my, my wife's just rock. And she doesn't understand why I'm crying. And I'm like, it's because you, you have a cold heart and my heart is alive, you know? <laughs> you, know? you know, sometimes we waste time, you know, like, oh, there's one, no- oh, this one's funny. My wife and I, we spent two hours watching YouTube karaoke videos, <laughs> singing along to Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and just singing and, and we just had so much fun. Was that, did we get anything out of that time? No. You know, did anything productive happen? Did the, did the world change? No. But we wasted time together and that's how we connect. Right? We need to learn to waste time. Secondly, you need to communicate with God. How can you have a relationship with someone that you don't communicate with? That's what the whole five minutes was all about. It's not just about spending five minutes with God. It's about talking to God. It's about hearing from God. How do we do that? We pray and we read his word. And thirdly, we need to obey. If I'm disobedient over and over again, that's not going to make me closer to God. But if I choose in that moment, whether, whatever I think, whether it's right or wrong, because God says do this, if I do it and I do it and I do it, it isn't, don't you think it's just going to bring you closer and closer together? Time, communication, and obedience. That's how we fight against the temptation of distance. When you ask someone, why do you do what you do? Why do you wake up in the morning? And they reply to you, I don't know. Do you know how sad that is? I think there's so many people in our lives, 
So many people in this world, they don't actually know why they exist. You know how sad that is? Why do you go to work? I don't know. Why do you go to school? I don't know. That's what it's like to live a life without purpose. But once again, if we're created by God, if we're made by God, we don't get to create our own purpose. You don't get to wake up and go, you know what, the purpose of my life is to do A, B, and C. No, only the creator can give you that. See, the problem is we think that we can create our own and we try to pursue those things and we still feel so empty and we feel so dissatisfied because we're not living out the purpose that, that was meant to be for us. God has given us purpose and that's to live for him, to do the good works and to go and make disciples. And when we live out these purposes, whether you do them well or not, you wake up to do that. You live that purpose and you go to sleep so satisfied. Remember, every single one of us has been created for God's purpose. So let's continue to Build into that. Don't get distracted. Fight distraction with focus. Don't get discouraged. Fight discouragement with the voice of God. And don't feel distant. Fight it with greater and deeper connection. Not my will. Not my plans, but yours. That's our prayer. Amen? Let's pray.